Hello and welcome to the Top Deck, our very first episode brought to you by Doina and Grandpa Roji. Hey, How are you? welcome Roji. Thank you for uh, for joining me in here. So before we get into the deep dive of Runeterra content that we're going to be providing, uh, how did you get into like just gaming in general? Um, well, my brothers were always playing some sort of video game, and so I just naturally started playing video games with them, but the biggest video game that had a really big impact was uh, MapleStory, and I played that game for 10, 7 years. <laughs> oh wow, that's a long time. Yeah, pretty much from my childhood till end of my teen years. Nice. Awesome. Um, I kind of had a similar story, though. It was like games were just kind of in my house. Um, I have two older sisters, but my like parents had like an old like Nintendo, and then they got the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I'm kind of old. Um, <laughs> and then that just kind of carried forward. Um, I, I like pretty much never or can't remember not playing games. It's just been kind of the hobby that stuck around. Um, mm-hmm. And then one day I was meeting up with my cousins and they introduced me to a thing called Yu-Gi-Oh, which was the first time I realized that like trading card games existed. Um, yes. And you could actually play a game with them. Um, but I could play like once a year, so I never got really too into it. Um, and then Hearthstone came out um, while I was in college. And I was like, a digital card game? This is awesome. Uh, Put that down because I couldn't afford to keep playing it because I was in college. Um, And then I played some League of Legends eventually. And I was watching the the Riot Games um, like 10-year anniversary celebration where they announced um, Legends of Runeterra. And I was like, ooh, another card game. I should probably get into it. And, uh, And here I am. How do you find Runeterra? Well, I always uh, played Yu-Gi-Oh! whenever I was growing up as well. And so whenever I was a, a teenager, I started to go to actual card shops and play. And from there, I got pretty good at Yu-Gi-Oh! And I would make like um, top cuts at regionals. And eventually, I went to nationals one year. And then from there, I just kind of stopped playing Yu-Gi-Oh! for a while whenever I was finishing high school and starting like my career. But then I saw uh, Le- uh, League of Legends was creating a card game. And I was like, wow, I love League of Legends and the world that they created. And I love card games. So this is like the best of both worlds. And... When I started playing it, I thought it was the most amazing game I've played, and I haven't stopped playing it since. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm realizing most of our viewers are probably fans of Legends of Runeterra, or I should say listeners. Uh, most of our listeners are obviously fans of Legends of Runeterra. Uh, what part about it, like you said, is like one of the best games you've ever played. What about it makes it so great for you? The interaction between every action. Mm-hmm. So whenever you summon a creature, I get to summon a creature or use a spell in response. And I think that's just 
really awesome. It makes the game feel really balanced. Yeah, um, that's my exact favorite part about the, the gameplay as well, is the fact that you always get to respond to what your opponent is doing, um, unless you're playing like burst or focus speed stuff. But almost always, um, you can respond to what they're doing, which made it fair, because like, I always had a chance to interact back or um, do something to kind of counteract whatever their, their broken strategy was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's not just a one-sided game. You're not just playing your own strategy. You have to like take into account what your opponent's doing and disrupt it while also advancing your strategy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like really incredible. Yeah. Um, so speaking of really incredible, uh, we just had um, the fourth seasonal tournament yeah that's right the fourth seasonal tournament for legends of runeterra um it was my second seasonal qualifier um it was uh my fourth seasonal qualifier yeah you're just four for four so mm. uh I, I did okay i did pretty well um i started off terribly i started off um losing the first two rounds and then I lost the round or then I won a round um, and then I lost two more. So I started off one and four. It was really, really terrible. Um, I had my stream going like on a 15 minute delay and I just like ended the stream after the fourth loss. Um, I was really tilted. I was like getting quite upset and I was like, ah, I'm, I'm going to stop streaming. Uh, but I kept playing anyway and I happened to just win the next four. Um, so I brought to the tournament, I brought um, Ruben Pyle, right? So Zoe Vi, uh, Shreema Overwhelm, and TLC. Um, my plan, right, was to target Ezdraven and Thresh Dazus. Um, but I think, like, looking back on it, without diving in too, too deep, um, looking back on it, I think um, I should have try to accomplish the same task without bringing TLC because in three, yeah, in three of the four series I lost, they had hard targeted TLC. Like they brought lineups there to beat TLC. Um, I just couldn't have an answer for it. So that might've been where I went wrong. But how did seasonals go for you, Roji? Seasonals went pretty well for me. I went seven and two. So, in my first round, I had my first loss, which I went 0-2. and two. And I really think it was just the first game jitters. I had the, a lot of nerves. <laughs> I was really nervous about this tournament. Um, and after that, I went 2-0 and just won a couple rounds. And then I had my second loss in round 4, where I went 1-2. and two, So, Malphite got me a game and the rest from there i won every single game until round nine and i brought a pretty interesting lineup some people would say but i think it was just the best thing to bring and i brought malphite and talia and ash Knox and sithria matron combo yeah so 
Ash Nox has kind of been around. It's been kind of known as a deck that will pop up in tournaments. Uh, but you brought two brand new decks. Two decks that really did not exist until uh, the latest set of cards um, had been released. Um, how do Let's start with Malphite. How did it feel? Why is it good? And how did it perform for you? So I made Malphite because mid-range was running around everywhere and Malphite felt really good into nearly every single match I played so whenever I was like designing my lineup I really wanted to target dragons and overwhelm and deep thralls and things like that. And also the Ruin Pile, I was really strong into. And whenever I was taking that into account, I realized Malphite was good against all of those decks. And so I knew I had to bring him. And I also knew that Ash was is kind of the queen of midrange. Mm-hmm. And she can really shine against all of those matches. And then I also thought the Cytheria Matron combo can just get bigger than pretty much every deck that doesn't just win with a clear win condition. And they all performed really well. But Cytheria got, I, I would say, 90% of the bands. So I can see people are quite afraid of Cythria. Yeah, I, I was going to ask what people were banning because i imagine and correct me if i'm wrong but no i'm assuming no one's looking at your lineup going oh i have to ban malphite yeah malphite did not even get looked at i'm sure they saw malphite and laughed yeah they're probably like oh this is gonna be an easy win um so you said malphite's good into mid-range what about like your list specifically or malphite the champion um, is good into mid-range. So I know a lot of people don't like the Salt Spire landmark, but I think that landmark is really strong. And with the addition of Chip, um, landmarks can really put pressure on them in the, the early game, and it has a really big power spike between the turns 5 and 7. Because on turn 5, you can copy the Salt Spire with Talia, and if you've played enough landmarks, you can level up and threaten 10 damage to the Nexus. And then after that turn, you get a 9-8 Rock Bear and a 5-4 Rock Bear. And from there, you have enough mana to keep developing into turn seven which you have a malphite and you can go ahead and stun the whole entire board and clean up the game with your really big beefy rock bears yeah so um i i'm imagining that i've at least watched or played against your Malphite list more than most people, you know, who play Terra. And Maybe. I can confirm that it could go from 
even to all of a sudden the Malphite deck is blowing you out in the span of like a turn and a half. Um, having that that nine eight grumpy rock bear pop out with a leveled Talia on the board, um, and the other rock bear as well, all of a sudden feels <laughs> feels pretty bad um, to to go against. It's it's quite potent. Uh, uh, go ahead. Um, there's um like once Malphite's on the board, you really can't develop, but like the enemy can't develop but you can keep developing as much as you want because you hold the stun the full board stun mm -hmm. and they have to save their units for right after you stun they have to be able to block at least one person but usually it's never enough and if you throw it out throw out a rock hopper you'll give them vulnerable and you can just control who they block, and it's usually just game over. Yeah, oftentimes I imagine you'll be um, dragging whatever they develop with, like to the the three one rock hopper, uh, mm. and just trying to push push out for lethal. Exactly. Um, all right, um, and you said you also brought Scythia Matron and Ashnox. You said Scythia ate a lot of um, the the bands. Um, how did Ashnox do for you? Ashnox did really well for me, but I was playing a version that I wasn't really comfortable with because I used to play the Marauder version, but I decided that the Yeti version... Uh, was probably going to be a lot stronger against what I was wanting to counter. Mm -hmm. And I was focusing so much on practicing Malphite that I didn't get that much practice in with the Ash deck. So there were a couple plays that I could have done better whenever I was playing it. But overall, I think it p performed really well. All right. Very well. Um I think my best performing deck was um, the Riven Pile. Um, That's awesome. So I brought the uh, the deck to set, as I mentioned before, Riven Pile, Overwhelm, and TLC to target as Draven. But it, it also targets um, Nazus. Um, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I won each game I played on Riven Pile, except for one, um, which was against Nazus. Um, in which I couldn't find Hush the entire game, um, which oh, felt man. really bad. Um, but so now that Seasonals is over and we're kind of looking forward to what's next, we should be having card reveals pretty soon, which I'm excited for. But um, the meta as it stands now, what were your opinions on? Do you think it's healthy, unhealthy, and why? Well, I think it's healthy in the sense that there is a wide variety of decks that are being played or trying to be played. And I think it's pretty unhealthy because Azira Relia is running around and I think it's a little too strong. Sometimes, like when I'm playing against that deck, I don't even feel like I'm playing the same game. 
Yeah, it almost feels like every turn is their turn. <laughs> yeah. With the amount of pressure that they could put on by blade dancing, it just never stops, or at least the threat of it never stops. Um, I think I'm going to say... I'm going to say that at least a week before seasonals in which people are trying to grind pretty hard, things seem to be a lot better as Azir Relia's play rate went down after it got, air quotes, nerfed. Um, <laughs> which was really what I wanted was just the play rate to go down, even though it's, I think, uh, right now a pretty severely overpowered deck. Um the play rate of it just really kind of killed a lot of enthusiasm um, when it was feeling like one in three games were against Zero Valley, at least kind of near the top end of the ladder. It was really, really, you know, upsetting. Um, but now that's gotten a little better, although I do think it is deserving of more and more nerfs. Um, the other problem, I think, is probably like the third maybe the fourth best deck in the game, which is TLC. Um, I think one of the only reasons why TLC isn't really heavily played right now is because of Azir Relia. And I think if they nerf Azir Relia more, then TLC will become a nightmare. Yeah. TLC is definitely a issue because you cannot interact with any part of the combo. Yeah, they just play a bunch of units that um, end up not costing them anything, right? Um, pillar, right? Replaces his mana. Fading memories cost zero. Um, spectral Matron, right? Cheats out eight mana worth um, or the Watcher itself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we definitely see a lot of that kind of uninteractiveness uh, coming out there. I also feel like um, this has been kind of a thought that's been parroted throughout the community is that it pushes out other control decks um, because its inevitability factor happens so early on in the game um, that something like a Nivea just can't exist. Yeah, because Watcher gives that on round eight, you will have no longer have a deck and you just lose instead of another mill condition like Maokai, which gives you at least four turns to do something. And it doesn't just immediately cause you to lose the game. Yeah. I had one really funny um, game against Steep. Um, I was playing Swain Yasuo, and they um, tossed my deck or obliterated it with Maokai, except for the final four. Except I had two Yasuos. Um, I had one in my hand, one on, one on the field. So I could keep <laughs> stunning, but they could also keep stunning. And it was, the game lasted probably a solid like 10 turns um, while we both only were stunning each other. Um, oh until eventually his units were able to push through. Um, and I lost. It was kind of a funny game. Uh, oh, wait. Do you think there are any decks that maybe were, other than Malphite, I suppose, um, but do you think there are any decks that were kind of on the brink of becoming more and more popular? Um, 
I think Ruben Pyle really stood out. I saw it a considerable amount. And I was like uh, pretty surprised by it. Yeah, I think, think Ruben really Pyle is one of those like... lists where like if you don't want to queue up and go, oh, I guess I lose. Ruben Pyle is a really good um, deck that I would highly recommend you play. Um, because it feels like it only gets super destroyed by dragons. Um, because the dragon deck goes a little bit bigger than Ruben Pyle. Um, because turns out dragons has a Rodian soul as its top end. Um, <laughs> wait, and Ruben Pyle has star shaping um, as its top end. Um, so th that's what kind of loses out in that matchup. But pretty much everything else, it feels like you know games are are at least winnable. Um, you get to run a lot of interaction for things like um, Aziraelia. You get to run hushes for Nazus. Um, you could stall out Watcher games a long time with all the invokes. So if you like options and you like having game into pretty much anything, um, I agree. Ruben Paul is pretty good. I think Overwhelm is like the hidden OP deck right now. Um, with the caveat that it loses to Aziraelia. But it yeah. does so well into pretty much everything else. Um... Things like Ezdraven, Nazus, Dragons. Um, I believe that's a good matchup into Deep. Um, I feel like I'm missing a deck that I can't think of off the top of my head. Ezdraven. It's good in the, pretty uh, much a yeah. lot of the meta right now. Yeah, I think it's something like six or seven out of the top ten most played decks as a uh, positive win rate into uh seems really good maybe that's another deck that will kind of go crazy um if azir Valia gets nerfed speaking of nerfs um over the last couple months now um it seems like the legends of runeterra community has been pretty upset at the way that riot games has been handling um it's kind of balance philosophy so um and by being upset i mean upset by too few changes to kind of shake up the meta what do you think about um riot's balance philosophy as it was and what would you kind of hope for moving forward well i remember riot used to release huge patches where they would change upwards of 10 cards per patch and they would be pretty drastic changes enough to like shake up the meta a good amount and make things really interesting but recently, as the tournaments started coming out, they started releasing less and less patches. I think it's like one balance patch a month or something. Mm -hmm. And the other, or it's two balance patches a month, if I'm not wrong. But they used to be doing it uh, a lot more often. And it just felt a lot better, but it's kind of reminds me whenever we were upset at Aphelios and TF Fizz, but Riot was able to provide us with a balanced patch that made everything feel a lot more better, but it just took a lot of time, but mm -hmm. uh, a month in a 
active Runeterra player is a lot of time. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, I, as well, am having kind of flashbacks to um, the Streaming Desert is Vast meme. Um, <laughs> in which we had a patch with one nerf, which was two of Elios. Um, and it didn't touch Twisted Fate at all. Um, which was, for me, like my least optimistic time um, as a Runeterra player was that patch. And now we kind of have an echo of that continuing um, from our most recent balance patch. Um, it buffed Italian Malphite, um, which I'm sure you were very happy to hear. It was um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Two gems that you were playing anyway. Um, and then touched two cards in the Azir Aurelia deck um, while also hidden buffing Aurelia by allowing her to Blade Surge on the turn she levels up. Um, so, yeah, I think I was relatively disappointed. But not for what I think the most of the community was disappointed for. Um, it seems like, and, and you kind of mentioned, if there used to be bigger balance patches. More buffs, more nerfs, upwards of 10 cards changed. And I'm not sure if I miss that as much as I miss the, or at least my perceived responsiveness, at fixing the broken stuff quick. Mm -hmm. Um and thoroughly um because like you said a month of people who are playing you know legend of Ruter every day and i don't know if you're like me but it's not like i'm playing one game on my phone a day and then calling it a night like i play this game for multiple hours a day um <laughs> for better or worse uh, <laughs> that's what i am doing <laughs> so yeah. But there's a really long time, and if they don't get it perfect after that first month, then you know it's another month of them having mm -hmm. to fix the problem. And then that is when it gets to be a huge feels bad moment. Um, so I think I'd prefer if they either you know touched a few cards or touched a few more cards, and or were more willing to act a little quicker. Um, on some of the issues yeah that would be really nice if we can go back to two week balance patches of actual changes right um but they did say um i think riot's kind of last communication at least with the reddit community that that i'm aware of indicated that they were um listening that they hear the complaints and that they were um, going to be looking towards the future um, on patch 2.11 to kind of increase in, in some way, they didn't really say exactly, but seemingly increase um, the rate at which they're changing cards. If they are changing cards, do you have any more expected nerfs um, or any cards you want to see buffed? Um... I expect Merciless Hunter to be affected because I think that card is really strong. But I don't think I necessarily want it to be nerfed because I like using it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also expect um, Azir to be nerfed in some way 
probably to his health. And I just really want the whole entire Blade Dance archetype to be hit really hard. Yeah, um I I think I think Merciless Hunter will be nerfed. Um I'm with you. I I don't want it to be nerfed. I think it's kind of a cool card. Um but it really helps enable Thresh Nazus, so it should probably get hit because Thresh Nazus needs to get hit. Um, it's also <laughs> very good in Overwhelm, um, which I've been playing a lot recently. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's a card that just its raw raw power seems a bit high. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, the Blade Dance archetype. Um, I don't want to see Azir get nerfed. Um because I'm a fan of Azir, uh, like I think he's a cool, cool champ, and I think at like a one four, he becomes like bad. Um, <laughs> he becomes so much easier to remove as a one four um, than he is as a one five, um, which might hurt Azir a bit too much. I'd rather see um, Play Dance getting weaker, or even Emperor's Dias um, getting weaker in some way. Um, either raising the mana cost, only letting the dice um, activate if you have the attack token might um, might help. Um, but yeah, right now it's 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 rough out there. Still, yeah. And TLC that deck definitely needs to be adjusted. Um, yeah, so a lot of people have been suggesting things like um, the Watcher gets reduced to 3 mana instead of 0 mana, um, which will kind of put a, a cap at how many Watchers they can play in one turn. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I know I have played games in which I've played 3 or 4 Watchers in a single turn. Um, 3 would <laughs> still be possible in that kind of format, that nerf. Um, but 4 certainly... Um, would not be um which is probably a good thing let's kick that perc win percent down uh at least a bit if they're not going to rework how the watcher operates entirely um looking forward to the future beyond things like um balance right because let's assume that eventually they'll get the balance right what kind of things do you hope Runeterra will offer uh, in the future? Uh, I really want to see something like a best of three ladder. So if there ever is a deck like Azir Relia running around again, you have the option to deal with it and ban it or be able to bring something that will target a lineup like that. And I think it would make the ladder a lot more suited for tournament play because you qualify based off your rank and the tiebreakers are decided based off of your rank. So I think ladder should reflect tournament play. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement. Um, the idea that you could ban a deck that your lineup isn't good into and it's an overpowered deck 
makes it feel so much better. Um, question, Roji, did you play against Azirovelia in Seasonals? Yes, I played against it and I think four or five of my matches, but I would just ban it immediately and the other decks would be exactly what I would want to play against. Yeah, so you played... The, the defeat screen did not pop up while Azir or Aurelia was on the board, right? Um, because you could ban it. And mm. I'm sure that felt so good. Um, I, too, did not play against Azir Aurelia because every time it popped up, I banned it. Um, That's just wonderful. Yeah, which was absolutely great. It made for a good experience. Those players who showed up to the seasonal tournament and didn't think banning a zero value was a good idea, probably beat or brought three decks that they felt are good against a zero value. And in that kind of format, it doesn't matter if you've had, have one overpowered deck, um, because they can be specifically targeted and beaten, um, in a way that you just can't do in a best of one ladder, which I really hope, um, as you said, they kind of integrate, into into the game um, one thing I, I want to see them integrate is in-game tournament support so this was something they said last october um when they first announced i believe the fact that seasonals were going to exist um was yeah. some way to support the grassroots tournament scene in game and it's something that i think um, especially with the loss of cross shard um, is very um, or be very like morale boosting um, especially for the most you know hardcore players the ones signing into tournaments or registering for tournaments um, spending their weekend um, doing that um, and having some in-game support I think it help drive up um, the competitive scene for Runeterra. If you click that tournament tab and you see, it, you know, um, OOS or um, I'm blanking on the other community tournaments or like Squeebies um, tournament that he hosts. Um, Runeterra Dax hosts the tournament, right? If you can see these pop up um, and register for these tournaments in game, um, I think that would kind of be a great way to help drive the scene um, and also kind of like help to help the spectating um of these games they don't have to rely on players streaming their games on a delay or in bad quality or what have you um anything else you want to see changed uh yeah um i would really like to see the skins have different voice lines or like a modified voice changer or something like that and their support cards like their champion spell or some of their other uh support cards that came out with them that complement them get different effects as well i think that would be really neat yeah like heimerdinger right he has a skin now for pool party Mm -hmm. but his turrets don't yeah and it just feels weird it's like why doesn't he create these really fun looking water gun turrets right yeah um 
I think I would like to see that too. It, so cosmetics are always going to be the thing that I think just based off my personality, I'm going to care about the least, but I like when it's done well. Um, that way, if I have, you know, a, a pet deck or a pet champion, you know, I can, I can, you know, dress it up a bit. Let, let opponent know that, you know, this is what I love to do, what I love to play. Yeah, it's just a really fun aspect, but right now it feels a little bit weird with it just being a new card art or level up animation. Just wish there was a little more oomph behind the skins. Yeah, um, speaking of cosmetics, is there another or any other like cosmetic thing you're hoping for? Yeah, I really want the icon from the seasonal rewards to change based on the season so like the first season would have a different icon from the second third and fourth and as runeterra keeps getting older and growing um a certain amount of people will have the first seasonals and only a certain amount of people have the third seasonals and so you can see how long someone has been, like been playing the game and i think it would be really neat for veteran players yeah so um i became a card back gamer for the first time um from the seasonal uh, congratulations thank you thank you uh, my first seasonal i went two three instead of three two um but uh, this um like the card back i just earned um yesterday as the time of recording um is the same one that you earned from you know your second seasonal is that the first time you were a card back gamer yeah it was the second seasonal my yeah. first season i went two and three <laughs> but we have the same one and it's like that's kind of sad um and eventually right the majority of the people who are in masters are you know eventually gonna gonna I guess five four a uh, a seasonal right so that's mm -hmm. up the exclusivity of this thing you know in ten years hopefully we're all still playing this game um, and we'll be on like episode like a thousand that'll be fun um, be amazing right that that seasonal card back is not gonna gonna hit the same way uh, if it's not kind of routinely updated. Um, so kind of on my Runeterra wish list, getting off the topic of um, cosmetics is something more, um, I guess, philosophy related. And that is for cards that they print, print, I should say publish or upload, whatever, <laughs> um, to not have bonded pair synergies or shift synergies. Something like Azir Valia. Um it feels that Azir Aurelia were certainly created to work well together. Um, in fact, I'd be shocked if they were not, if they didn't make one and think how could they enable the other? Um, because their synergy is so, so, so obvious and clear. Um, and it was the, the bundle that you could buy. Um, and I think shipping out a synergy that, so obvious and so good 
kind of stifles creativity um, and like the figuring out period of an expansion. Um, I know on day one, when Aurelia came out, all that was on the ladder. I'd be shocked. I would love to see stats. The first day of the expansion, it had to be a 50% zero value uh, play rate. It was everywhere. And that's because everyone knew that those are the two champs that go together. Um, I think Tom Rocca is another uh, area in with which this has happened. Like, these two champions were very clearly designed to work together. Um, and I just, oh, I, I, I don't like that. Um, I like some synergy more like how um, Shivana and Aesol are synergistic. Like they're both dragons, they're from different regions, but you can have a deck with Shivana in it, and you can have a deck with Aesol in it. Or you could have a deck with both of them in it, and they kind of help facilitate, you know, the same kind of decks, um, but certainly not in the same manner that Azir and Aurelia do. Um, like, I would expect for those of us listeners who've played a lot of League of Legends, um, this strong kind of bonded pair synergy um, to be fitting for like Isaiah and Rakan, um, but not, but not Azir and Aurelia. Um, so I think having cards that, you know, are, are so synergistic might be a problem. Yeah, it can definitely be an issue. Um, anything else on your wish list, Roji? Yeah, speaking of ship synergies, there are also really bad ships synergies. And one of them is Mono Shirima. <laughs> it's it's a deck that can only work with itself, and it just it works against itself. It feels like, <laughs> and I would really like to see it be buffed in a way that it would be. I would hope competitive, but at least playable on the ladder and not just get absolutely stomped by everything. Yeah, so when Sharima was announced and when I first saw Renekton's level up, I was like, okay, I guess I'm playing playing Sharima. Like, I have to see this animation. <laughs> and I loved the idea of level 3 champions and how they're ascended. I thought it was so cool. Tell the people what you have seen today. Um, I was so for it. But it's bad. <laughs> and I've played... Long. I'm sorry, go ahead. I said it just takes so long. Yeah, to it get takes it all working. so long. Um, it's a kind of a combo you're trying to hit from, from turn one, quite literally, when you play the Sun Disk. Um, and you're working towards this very narrow win con <laughs> that yeah. loses to a three mana card called Scorched Earth. Um, and, and it just feels bad. Um, the, the deck is not not playable. 
No, not in today's meta whatsoever. Uh, but so we've been talking a lot about like the lists we brought and the decks we brought and the meta and what we hope to see from Legends of Runeterra. But I think a lot of people who watch Twitch streams, who go out and seek Legends of Runeterra podcasts, do so because they want to become a a better Runeterra player. Um, so what do you think, if you could identify a few skills that, you know, separates maybe the average Masters player from the average let's say gold player, uh, what would be kind of the big ones? Um, I think knowing when to pass is extremely important. And I think you also need to be able to read the enemy's hand and take advantage of gathering spell mana. Yeah, I think those are really important whenever you're actively playing the game. But whenever you're deck building, I think it's really important to have draw cards. Draw cards are key to deck building in this game. Yeah, certainly. So, on your knowing when to pass um, statement... I think a good rule of thumb for someone who's trying to improve at the game is to ask themselves, does something very bad happen if I pass? And if the answer isn't yes, it's very bad, then hit the pass button. Um, I think you'd be rather be learning by passing too much and finding out when you can't um, rather than just playing cards, you know, inefficiently. Um I was playing in seasonal yesterday. I was playing Ruben Pile against an Ezdraven. So it's a favorite matchup for me. I played a Mountain Goat on turn two, and the opponent shot it with a Mystic Shot. While they had the attack to it. And I was like, that's fantastic. I will gladly trade my, my goat for your Mystic Shot. It my goat isn't kind of making me win the game. Um, I, you know, it might be a piece to the puzzle, but you know, my mountain goat isn't, isn't the threat um, that the mystic shot should be, you know, reserved for. So I think knowing when to pass and knowing kind of when um, it's worth it to actually spend your cards, um, unless they're fleeting, they don't pop out of your hand at the end of the turn. Um, you can just hold on to them and find a more opportune moment. Um, one thing that I think people constantly, constantly want to do is climb rank by playing the right deck. Um, uh, there is no right deck ever. Exactly. I think it is the worst idea for someone who's trying to get better at the game to be popping around from deck to deck to deck. Um, I think it's the worst idea ever to be um, joining Grandpa Roji's stream and saying, oh, 
I'm going to steal his deck list. He's in Masters. I'm going to be in Masters too because I'm playing the same deck. Yeah, there are lots of different, like, lots of things to take into consideration whenever you are playing a deck. And you really have to play to your play style and not just what's good. Yeah, um, like you could be playing the, the best deck, um, but not be playing it well and, and lose a lot. And I mean, that, that's okay if you're learning how to play. Um, just know that the, the axis of improvement um, that you should be focusing on is certainly not um, importing the right deck code. That It won't take you anywhere um, if it's not being piloted correctly. So um, I think what I would recommend to someone is to find a deck that someone's been playing in Masters. You could go to the leadboard, take anyone in there. It doesn't need to be someone from the front page. Import a deck and play it a billion times um, until you're good at it. Um, you at least know it's sufficient enough to get you there if it's played, you know, perfectly. Um, and approaching perfect play is what, what we ought to be doing. Um, you mentioned being able to read the enemy's hand and taking advantage of spell mana. Um, can you, like, give a few examples of what you might mean by reading the enemy's hand? Well... I'm going to go with something uh, we are all fond of, TLC. And TLC has the region Freljord, which is something that contains a board wipe spell, Avalanche. And if I know something like that and I'm playing a deck that has a lot of 1 and 2 health units, I know not to develop whenever they can ever have four more mana but if i see that i can develop quite a bit of monsters and they still aren't board wiping me i might be able to read that they don't have avalanche and i can keep developing and take advantage of that hand read versus if I was afraid of Avalanche from the whole time, and I wasn't able to pick up a read that he didn't have Avalanche, and I was underdeveloping whenever I could, like, fully develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think Avalanche is a perfect example um, of when you need to try and get a feel of when they can or could or or don't have Avalanche. Um like if you have a a maybe you're playing a, a Xeranoxus aggro and you play a Dune Keeper on one um, that hits in and then you're playing a House Spider. Um, if they're passing back, you know you have this risk reward kind of matrix going off in your head. Like if they had Avalanche, would they have cast it here to kill three units, or am I safe to, um, or would they have held it? So. Um, that's certainly a, one area in which people can, can improve. Um, but kind of preceding that is knowing what cards the opponents can have. Um, and how bad is it if they do have it for you? Um, which I think loops back nicely to the knowing when to pass things. How bad is the opponent's best possible card for you? And how likely is it that they have it? Um, 
given the information um, that you you've received so far in the game. Mm-hmm. Any uh, final tips for uh, someone who might be looking to climb a few uh, a few LP? Uh, you should definitely t- check out streamers. They can offer a lot of insight, and you can ask any streamer a question, and they will answer your question and help you out. Because the Legends of Runeterra community is so great that they are just really willing to help anybody. Yeah, asking questions in Twitch chat is kind of a big one. Um, I was um, watching someone play, and they were playing um, Thresh Nazis against Ezdraven. And... The opponent had three mana, and they were attacking, and the Thresh Nazis player, the streamer, really wanted to play Glimpse Beyond, um, and they didn't block, and then Glimpse Beyond, and I was so confused, why not? And, you know, I play this game a lot, I could not for the life of me imagine why they actively chose not to block while they Glimpse Beyond, uh, but then I was reminded of a little card, because Draven was on the field, um, which was Draven's Rolling Death, which would have been a second card to beat um, the opponent's Glimpse Beyond, you know, in that context. So, like, I asked, they told me why, and I was like, oh, wow, I just learned something. Um, because if that Glimpse Beyond didn't resolve, you know, the Thresh Nines player loses and it would have been, would have been a bad time for him. So, yeah, asking questions of people um, is certainly there uh, a good way. Um, especially people who, sh- who stream usually quite good um, and people have a reason for doing everything um, so they should be able to answer it for you mm-hmm. and that loops back into being able to read the enemy's hand and knowing when to pass also yeah yep um, and my most final and hard-hitting question for you um what is your favorite emote in Legends of Runeterra? I would have to say I really like the Sparky Von Yip Yip. Or the Sparky Sparky Von Yip emote. Yeah, that's a new one, right? It is a new one. I really love that emote. It's so good. Um I haven't used it yet. Because my my emote lineup is full and I can't seem to find a slot for it. But <laughs> I think my favorite emote right now is the Lux two thumbs up. Um, I queue into an Irelia player. Um, I try and kill them. Um, I get like nopified and then lead and followed and then retreat returned. And I'm just like, you know what? Good job. I, I give him the thumbs up and then I uh, surrender, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good emote for the current meta. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, let's say uh, one of our listeners is like, they're saying I should ask people for help. Grandpa Roji sounds like a good guy. Where could they find you to ask for help from you, Roji? Well, you can catch me on my stream 
twitch.tv slash grandpa roji r-o-j-i and that will be on wednesday through saturday at 7 p.m eastern time and you can also find me on my twitter at grandpa roji and you can send me a message or tweet at me and i will get back to you yeah, very good. And anyone listening, you can find me on twitch.tv slash xdoeynut um, or Twitter at doeynut. Um, and that's doey, D-O-U-G-H-Y, um, D-O-U-G-H-Y-N-U-T. All right, with that, I think this concludes our pilot episode. Uh, thank you for uh, talking with me. Thank you for having me on the podcast. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Have a good one.